good morning to you. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Say amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Begin our time of worship together. Love divine, all loves excelling. Let's worship the Lord today. Love divine, all loves excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion. Pure, unbounded love thou art. Is it us? 
Good morning, church family. Let's bow our heads together and let's pray. God, I thank you that we have the chance to bow our heads together and to pray as, as one family. We're thankful that as one family we can turn our hearts, Lord, to you as our one and only Lord. And we can thank you not only for this day, but for our very life. But we can thank you for the salvation that you've offered us when we in no way deserved it. God, we can praise you, Lord, for your wonderful gifts, your wonderful acts. God, thank you for all that you've done for, for so many. Lord, we're praying for so many that, that are struggling, Lord, with health, Lord, struggling with fear, anxiety, hurts, disappointments. And God, you're the one that, that will take all of those cares. When you remind us that we can cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. And God, we, we can't thank you enough for that. Lord, your name is great. You're greatly to be praised. And, and you not only are the one who cares, you're the one who loved us so much that you came. Lord Jesus, you came to this earth. You died on the cross. Lord, you lived a, a perfect, sinless life. And we thank you today, Lord, that we know in you is our hope, in you is our eternity. And Father, we pray that we as a church would be a body that is, that is focused on growth, that we are focused on bringing people in and then building them up for the faith and sending them out to do it all over again. And God, thank you for this body of believers that we get to share this journey with. Father, encourage us, challenge us, unify us, take sin away from this body. Father, allow everything that we do and say and think and the way we behave, Lord, to be pleasing to you, that it would be winsome to those around us. Father, allow your spirit to permeate this place, touch our lives today, we pray in Jesus' powerful name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Be seated, church family. It's good to see you this morning. It looks like we're low in number today. Um, I figured that this would happen just a bit, but I am excited to see many of our folks um, who have been diagnosed with COVID are coming out of their quarantines, and they're back with us today. And um, some of those are in the choir behind me. Some are setting out. And um, I'm just so thankful um, that you're um, back and well, and, um, and that's a praise to God. Amen. It is, it is a praise to God. If you're our guest, maybe you're not yet a member of this family, we want to extend a, a warm welcome to you. We love you in the Lord, and we're excited that you're here. And uh, we want you to be a part of this family. If you would take one of those guest cards that you find in front of you there in the back of the pew, fill that out and drop it in the basket um, as you leave today. Um, that gives us a chance to get to know you a little bit better. Um, Brother Steve will be bringing our announcements in just a little while, and so... We'll save, save that for later, but I do just want to say thank you for these flowers that are before us today. Um, the Smiths and the McCarries placed those flowers in honor of our staff, and I appreciate um, them very much for appreciating us. And so, so that's very, very meaningful, and I appreciate their, their kindness in doing that today. Um, be sure and find those around you later on. Uh, we still haven't got back to our normal uh, time of First Baptist Fellowship and the greeting time. But I pray that you'll reach out and embrace those, shake a hand, and um, let everybody around you know that you're glad that they're here later on as, as we leave this place. Let's continue to worship this morning. Amen. God's Word tells us where two or more are gathered, that He will be there also. He is here this morning. Let's sing this little chorus. He is here. He is here. Hallelujah. 
worthy. You are holy. You are faithful. You are a loving God. Father, you are our Jesus. And we worship you today. Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Father, be with our pastor today as he brings your message today that you've put in his heart to share with us. Be with our people that are away today, those that are sick, those in the hospitals. Father, we pray that they would recover, that they would be well so they could be back here with us. Father, give us a good day in your house today. And again, when we leave here, may we be able to say it's been good to be in your house today. We thank you, we love you, we praise you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. God bless you, and thanks again for being in worship today. As I look out, there are several more people that have come in since the welcome happened, and we welcome you to worship um, today. I want us to be a lively church, an exciting church, and um, if you're happy to be here, say amen. Amen. To give you a quick update before we start the sermon today, we have been, um, our personnel committee and search committees have been hard at work, and you know that we have hired Tim Height to be our new student minister, and he begins a week from this Wednesday. Um, he was supposed to start this coming Sunday. He got COVID and had to delay one week. He is being ordained tonight at his church in Hillsboro, and so we're excited for him. So be remembering Tim in prayer. Also, our children's minister search committee will meet this afternoon and do um, Zoom interviews all afternoon long with candidates, and so I invite you to be praying for them. It's always an exciting process when we are seeking who God has for us for this day in the life of our church, and so uh, we covet your prayers. I want to begin with um, one of my favorite stories. Uh, you may have heard it before. Um, it's a story about a man who was driving a, a pet store delivery truck, and he was going down the road. It was one of those box trucks, and at every stoplight, someone was observing, and this guy just jumped out of the truck. He raced to the back of that box truck. He took a two-by-four, and he beat the side of that truck as hard as he could for a few minutes, and then he jumped back into the cab, and he kept driving, and they were trying to figure out what in the world was he doing. So finally, they ran up, and they asked the guy while he was banging on the back of the truck, and he said, well, this is only a two-ton truck, and I'm carrying four tons of canaries, so I've got to keep two tons of them in the air all the time, right? And I tell you that today because that may be you. Uh, you may feel exactly like that today. Uh, you may feel like that you're a two-ton truck, but you're carrying a whole lot more than you can really bear. Your load is too much to carry, and so you've got to keep half your canaries flying all the time. And if that's you, you're probably in need of refreshment. And with that being said, you've come to the right place. Uh, we're in the middle of this this morning. We're in the middle of a sermon teaching series that I've titled Refresh. And I have found that every one of us, right, needs refreshment. Uh, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need physical refreshment. Uh, maybe you need personal refreshing. Maybe you need spiritual refreshing. And that's the series that we're in, is recognizing that Jesus gives us exactly that as he began to teach in the very first part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. So go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and go ahead and stand together as we join together and honor the reading of God's Word. We add a single verse every single week, and today we arrive here at the Beatitudes yet again. Remember, the Beatitudes are attitudes that ought to be. 
Um, the word blessed at the beginning of each of these beatitudes means happy or content or satisfied. And so if you want to be happier than you've ever been in your life, if you want to be more blessed than you've ever been in your life, more content than you've ever been at any time in your life, then we ought to pay attention to the words of Jesus Christ. And so let's pay careful attention to these today. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Here we go. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, the Sermon on the Mount, right, and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Beatitude number one, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Beatitude number two, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Last week's beatitude, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And today's beatitude, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be now, before we're seated, you have a memory verse, right? Who is ready to say their memory verse today? Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Let me see those hands. All across the room, let me see those hands. My goodness gracious. All right. Thank you, Jimmy and Tom. Um, we have two people in the whole room that have done what the pastor encouraged us to do. Is there anybody in the balcony who's ready to say the verse? without it being in front of you on the screen. All right, we're going to read it together, and then we're turning the screen off, okay? Here we go. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, Acts three nineteen. All right, let's turn it off. Are you ready? Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, Acts 3, 19. How many of you got it all the way through? Perfectly right. Mostly, right? Be seated. All right, next week. Next week, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that we are able to do this. All right? You can memorize Scripture. Stop looking away from me when I'm saying this. Everybody's looking down right now. No one's making eye contact. Next week, Acts chapter 3, verse 19, we'll all have committed to memory, right? And all God's people said? Okay, all right, that's pretty good. All right, this is the fourth message in this sermon series titled Refresh. Let's do our review. Now, thus far, we've been marching down through these points, and you've seen I've had to abbreviate those because some were too long for the baptistry width, okay? Um, but we're going to walk through. These are steps. They're sequential steps. The Beatitudes are sequential steps to really discovering blessedness or happiness or contentment. They're steps to discover refreshing. And our first step is realize that I'm not God. When we do that, we fully admit, right, I am totally helpless. We're talking about our spiritual selves. Without God, without His help, we have to recognize we're totally helpless without Him. If you're here today, if you're watching by live stream and you think somehow you can do something on your own spiritually, then you've lost um, sight of who God is and who you are. Realize I'm not God, I'm totally helpless. That leads us to step number two, earnestly believe that God exists and that I matter to him. And when you take that step, you fully admit, right, 
that I believe God can help me. Who can help me? No one but God. God is the only one that can help you and me. We're totally helpless. God's the only one who can help us. When we recognize that, we've taken another step towards refreshment. Step number three, fully submit my life and will to Christ's control. Remember, we talked last week about life and will. And the, the attitude is, I'll be meek without being weak. And so we have to come to that point, and then that leads us to step number four, receive God's righteousness right? Receive God's righteousness as a gift of grace. If you're taking notes, you have to go beyond just receive God's righteousness as a gift of grace. Now, the attitude this Sunday morning is this. I'll cooperate with God's change process. How many of you believe that God is in the business of desiring to change you? How many of you know that there are areas in your life that need to be changed? You see, we re recognize that we're helpless, that God's the only one that can help us. We'll be meek without being weak. And then we say, God, I'm going to choose, right, to cooperate with your change process. Now, to get into this today, we need to consider two important truths about what it means to be filled with His righteousness because we're saying receive God's righteousness. And to be filled with righteousness, we first must understand righteousness itself. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to be fully interactive now. Some of you have been reluctant to raise your hands thus far, and I understand why. But now I want you to just, just answer with me, okay? If you're righteous this morning, raise your hand. Okay? All right, next question. How many of you are going to heaven when you die? Raise your hand. All right, we got an issue. Because if you didn't raise your hand to the first question, then you can't raise your hand to the second question. And here's the reason. There won't be a single unrighteous person admitted to heaven. So why was it that we're so reluctant, right, to raise our hand to the first question Pastor, I'm righteous. It's because you thought I was asking you if you're self-righteous. And that wasn't the question, right? I didn't ask that. I simply asked if you're righteousness, if you're righteous. So what we need to do is understand righteousness. Uh, first in this, I must understand the difference, right, between being self-righteous and being righteous by the Lord, by God's righteousness, Let's get into this scripturally. The Bible makes a clear distinction between the two. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. The Apostle Paul wrote this, I want to be found in him, referring to Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that's self-righteousness, right? But that which is through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. In other words, that's God's righteousness. To be righteous means to be in right standing before God. And self-righteousness is totally different. That's our feeble attempt, right, to do good. To do good things in order to gain God's approval. And we have a human tendency to want to brag about how good we are, especially when we compare ourselves to those who aren't as good as, as us. I want you to imagine this. This is a very good illustration for us. Imagine an old white wooden church in the country, 
Okay, get that in your mind. An old white wooden church in the country. You see it? That beautiful white church stands out in shining contrast to those dark crops and fields and, and trees that surround it. Do you see it? It's the whitest color possible. But then a snowstorm comes that following winter, and it covers the entire landscape under a blanket of pure snow. Go to the snowmageddon that we faced this past winter and imagine how white it was. And now that white church sets in the middle of that white landscape. But now that building appears dirty and dingy, doesn't it? Compared to the beauty of the snow, it appears dirty and dingy. And the same is true when we compare our very best good works to the purity and the character of Jesus Christ. The Bible describes our self-righteous deeds like this. It's a verse I quote all the time. All of our righteous acts are like what? Filthy, old rags. That's my paraphrase. Isaiah 64, 6. The phrase filthy rags, listen to this, it describes the putrid, discarded clothing of an infected leper. How many of you would want to take the discarded clothing of an infected leper into your hands? No way, right? Gross. Our very best deeds are just like that, filthy old rags compared to God's holiness, but God wants to wrap us in the pure shining robe of his righteousness. Isaiah 61 10, three verses, three chapters before that, my soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has arrayed me in the robe of righteousness. So here's the question, right? How do we exchange our filthy old rags of self-righteousness for God's robe of righteousness? What do we have to do? Well, we really can't do anything. That's the good news of Scripture. We can't really do anything. Jesus already did it all for us when he died on the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friend, Jesus went to the cross wearing a pure white garment of righteousness. He never committed a single sin. Doesn't that marvel you? Doesn't that amaze you? He never lied. Are you kidding me? He never thought one impure thought. He never had an attitude like we have underneath our breath, grumbling about somebody else. He never thought ill of another person. He never cheated. I mean, all the things that are natural to us, Jesus never did any of those things, and yet on the cross, he took upon himself all the filthy old leper rags of sinful humanity, and in exchange, he offers us a robe of righteousness. Here's the most important thing I'll say in this message today. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, God no longer sees your filthy rags. He only sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. You see, it's that understanding of righteousness that allows us to take the step that Jesus is asking us to, stay, to take today. It's that that allows us to be refreshed, receive God's righteousness as a gift of grace. So we have to understand the difference between self-righteousness and God's righteousness. Second, we must understand the difference between positional righteousness 
and personal righteousness. Have you ever heard those terms? Positional righteousness versus personal righteousness. What is positional righteousness? Well, it simply means this. No matter what I've done in the past or what I may do in the future, God looks at me now and He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In other words, we are positioned right in the righteousness of Christ. But here's where we have to be careful. If there's a misunderstanding of that, If there's a misunderstanding about God's grace, it's the tendency to think that since we're in the righteousness of Christ, now we can do whatever we want because God's grace is going to cover it. We can just get out there and live however we choose because God's love is that great. Folks, that's not grace. That's disgrace. Do you understand? That's not grace. It's a disgrace to live like that. We don't sin all the more. The truth is we should actually no longer have a desire to sin. Will we sin? Yes. Before Jesus, we used to run after it, though, and now as a Christian, we'll strive to run away from it. Now we desire personal righteousness because God's Spirit lives in us. We want to do that not so that we can receive salvation. We want to do it as appreciation for all that God has done for us. You see, God hasn't made it so His children can't sin, but He has made it so His children can't sin and enjoy it. Understand that? Because now the Spirit of God lives in us, and that's why we strive for personal righteousness, positional righteousness versus personal righteousness. So let's go back and review. What's our fourth step? Receive God's righteousness as what? A gift of grace. And the attitude is, I'll cooperate with God's change process. I'll I'll strive to get on board with what God wants to do in my heart and mind to change me and transform me. In other words, we can't change ourselves. It's God who changes us. But He won't change us unless we allow Him to do it. We have to cooperate with Him. So let's go back to the Beatitude, all right? We're connecting all these dots today. Verse number 6 Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Questions for us. Are you really hungry and thirsty for righteousness? And I want to pause here and let us think about it. Am I, ask this of yourself, am I really hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Do I possess a craving hunger and a dying thirst for God's righteous life? You know, in in my life, I have oftentimes said I'm hungry. But I have to admit, I don't think I have any clue what hunger really is. And And I think I'm speaking for most of us when I say that. If I miss one meal, I'm hungry. But never in my life have I ever gone days without eating. You see, few of us have ever been so hungry that all we focus on is finding a morsel to eat, right? Finding food. Few of us have ever been so thirsty that our every thought is is consumed with finding a drink, 
but that's the kind of hunger and thirst that, that Jesus is describing here in the Sermon on the Mount. He wants it to be all that we focus on. I, I mean, we are looking for water. We're looking for food. We're searching for righteousness. Folks, to cooperate with God's change process, we have to focus on hunger and righteousness, and we have to do it by focusing on five things. Let me list this for us today. If you're saying, oh God, I want you to change me. Lord, I know that you want to do something in me. I know that I can't keep marching down this path. I know that I need spiritual refreshment. I know that I'm in this black hole and it's been sucking me under for a while and I have this repetitive thing that I run back to. There's five things that we have to do. First, I must focus on changing one defect at a time. Now, I say this because... You may be at a spot today where you're thinking, okay, I need to change, Pastor, but I, I need to change like 30 things, right? But that's not what God wants. Don't try that or you're going to be overwhelmed. Focus on one thing and get very specific with God. Father, what specific defect would you like to work on first in my life? That would be a great prayer for us. And don't just pray generally, Lord, help me be a better person. No, be specific. Try praying, Lord, I, I need you to work on my anger problem. Lord, I need you to help me deal with my anxiety. God, I need you to help me deal with my workaholism. Lord, I need you to help me with my fear. Lord, I need you to help me with my alcoholism. Lord, I need you to help me with my desire to control everything. Whatever that issue is today, cooperate with God as he starts changing that one defect in your life. Focus on one thing. The second thing is this. I must focus on success one day at a time. You see, there's a good reason that Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say give us this week. He didn't say give us this month. He said this day. Why? Because God wants you to give enough strength. God wants to give you enough strength today to change that one thing. Strength for one day. Not one week, not one month, not this rest of your life. He wants to give you enough strength for today. It's like the tired old joke says, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time, right? And that's how God changes our lives, one day at a time. By the yard, life is hard, but by the inch, it's a cinch. Have you ever heard that? And I think that there's spiritual value in that. I encourage you this morning, pray this, Lord, just for this day, I want to be patient. Just for this day, I, I want to stay away from impure thoughts. Just for today, I want to go without losing my temper. You see, focus on one thing, right? and then focus on it one day at a time. God can heal you and help you overcome that issue by doing it this way. The third thing, I must focus on doing good, not feeling good. We all know the old popular adage, right? If it feels good, do it. But that doesn't apply to the Christian life. It never has, it never will. You have to focus on doing good rather than feeling good. If you do the right thing, here's the truth, it may not always feel good, but do it anyway. Let me take workaholism as, as kind of the example here. If you're a workaholic, 
and you say, I have got to deal with this issue, and you go home at five, and you don't take anything home with you, you're going to feel very weird, right? It's going to feel odd. When you try to relax, you're going to feel awkward. But here's my encouragement. Ignore your feelings. You can't control your feelings, so do the right thing whether it feels good or not. We could put anything in that blank, right? One defect at a time, one day at a time. Focus on doing good, not feeling good. The next thing, I must focus on people who help me and not hinder me. I must focus on people who help me and not hinder me. There are people out there, we know this, they're harmful to us. They're not good for us to hang around. When we hang around those guys, things don't go well or please, or they don't, they're not pleasing in the eyes of God. They're not good for our restoration, our renewal, our refreshing. They're the kind of people who, who toss you a 50-pound dumbbell rather than a life vest when you're drowning, right? But there are also people who help us. And some people in our church, some people in this room, some people in our community, some watching by live stream, they need to focus on getting away from those people I always bring my dad into this moment because he told me a million times as a kid, if you lie down with dogs, you're going to wake up with fleas. If you want to soar with the eagles, you can't hang around with turkeys. And, and now I say that to my kids all the time. Another way to phrase it, if you don't want to be stung, stay away from the bees, right? Right, Joe? You got to see Joe's Facebook page. It's fantastic. If you want to be on the path to refreshing, then you have to hang around people who help you, not hinder you. Let me give you the last one. I must focus on progress and not perfection. You see, once you choose to get on board with God's change process, I'm going to tell you, don't expect to see results overnight. But get in your head that this is a long-term issue. Long-term results are what you're after. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, this is the verse for us. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen, amen because that's great news, right? You aren't responsible for bringing about change. It's God who's working in you. It's God who's the change agent. He isn't expecting you to be perfect, so don't expect it of yourself. One thing at a time, one day at a time, doing good, not feeling good, people who help me, not hinder me, focus on progress and not perfection. And, and that kind of brings us to our, our closing movement here. Folks, everything that we're saying, and I think everything Christ was saying is this, there's a battle going on for you. It's a spiritual battle, and it happens for each one of us. There is a battle going on for your mind and your soul, and you have a sinister enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy. Do you know that? He is fighting for you. But Jesus, he wants you to enjoy refreshing life and enjoy it how? To the fullest. Let's go back to Sunday, December the 7th, 1941. What happened that day? Pearl Harbor, right? Japan orchestrated the surprise attack at our base in Hawaii, Pearl Harbor. 
And that attack crippled the American Pacific Fleet. But our greatest generation didn't give in and didn't give up. No, instead, they, they went on an offensive strategy across the Pacific Ocean. And the strategy was this, that we had to retake every single island under Japanese control. And that strategy involved three different things. First of all, our ships, our naval ships, would bombard those islands with artillery. It was called softening them up. And goodness, it was unbelievable what happened. But once they were supposedly softened up, the Marines would launch an amphibious attack, an assault, and they would establish a beachhead. Now, sometimes that beachhead was only 50 feet um, deep and, and 200 yards long. It, it wasn't much. And just because we had a beachhead didn't mean it was over, right? The third part was there was a blood-shedding battle that was about to come. But here's the truth, and this is the point that I want to make. Once our Marines established a beachhead, guess what? They always achieved victory, no matter how long it took. So here's the connection. There's a battle for you. But once you receive God's righteousness as a gift of grace, God establishes a beachhead in your life. And the Bible calls that being born again, being saved. And it doesn't matter that your life doesn't become perfect overnight. There's still a battle going on every single day, right? But once God has established His presence in your life, once He has that beachhead, He goes about setting you free day by day until ultimately and inevitably victory is won in your heart and your mind. And today, you might be in the middle of that battle right now. Most of us are. The truth is we all are. But it may be real intense for you this morning, whatever this issue is, and you're wondering if you're going to be able to hang in there and hold out. And here's what I want you to walk away with. What God has started, our God will finish. What God has started, 